Running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. Right here we are running up the score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. Let's get right into it, guys. Week one is in the books. Football is officially back. I'm gonna let that simmer just a little bit because football is back the greatest time of the year. NFL football, and we're through one week. We're already in the heat of it. Let's get it. We're gonna start off. We're gonna Kind of go around the league. And then I'm going to get into some games. Then, after the show, I'm going to do my week two preview. Maybe pick the games. And that will be up on YouTube and TikTok and, you know, Instagram and all that. And then I'm deciding whether I want to make it into its own little podcast. Maybe a 20-minute podcast real quick. Discuss it. And then maybe I'll just do that every week. But that's not here nor there. The NFL week that was. Let's get right into week one. Okay. The biggest news of it all. Aaron Rodgers gone for the year. Torn Achilles. And it's devastating. I raved about the Jets all offseason. I raved about the Jets once they got Aaron Rodgers, this team was a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. Now, what we knew heading into week one when it came down to the Jets, their offensive line is not good. What we saw in week one, the Jets' offensive line is not good. That led to Aaron Rodgers going down for the year. But that, again, is another not here nor there. Okay, because now a lot of people are bringing up the whole artificial turf conversation. And we talk about this here and there every year. You know, we talk about the injuries and, you know, natural grass is better and this and that. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a couple of the players came out and basically discussed their disgust with the NFL and how many fields are artificial turf compared to natural grass. And they are pinpointing Aaron Rodgers' injury to the turf. Now, we knew that a lot of people thought that the turf had a lot to do with ACL injuries. And this, in fact... I have an article here. I don't know when this article was published. I looked, couldn't find it. But in a way, it it fits the narrative. All right, so the artificial turf has a lot to do with knee injuries, has a lot to do with ankle injuries, has a lot to do with concussions, heat-related illness and injuries, abrasions, you know, and then there's other factors that, you know, affect the, you know, the the player and, you know, have the effect of, you know, turf. So I'm going to just read a couple of uh, pinpoints of this article quick and just, 
you know, again, I, I don't know when this article was published. It was published out of the National Center for Health Research. And right here, they, they conducted a study rates of uh, they looked at rates of five different knee injuries on grass versus artificial turf across all three divisions of college football. They found that the posterior crusate ligament, which is the PCL, tears occur almost three times as often on turf than on grass. Also, ACL tears 1.6 times more often on turf than they did on the grass. There are 142 ACL tears on turf in divisions two and three compared to the 111 on national uh, on natural grass, despite athletes spending more time on grass. Now this, again, this is just due to the study that they ran. The difference was greater for PCL tears, 3.3 tears per 10,000 competition exposures on turf compared to 1.1 per 10,000 on grass. Now, you can move on to just the the non-contact. So the report showed non-contact knee injuries happen 32.32% more often on turf. Then you move to ankle injuries. Ankle sprain was the most common injury and occur, that occurred at a rate of 1.5 injuries per 1,000 hours of playtime on turf compared to 0.8 injuries per 1,000 hours on natural grass. They found that the rate of Achilles injuries was twice as high on turf as it is on grass, and a rate of ankle injury was six times, ankle fractures was six times as high on turf compared to natural grass. These studies point to increased risk of ankle injury playing on turf instead of grass. That is one of the biggest things. So when you look at what, you know, in terms of grass and turf, okay, grass gives. And that's the biggest thing that they talk about. Grass gives. Turf doesn't. You are basically playing on cement that's just covered with fake grass and some rubber pellets. So then you go now, as I said, you're basically playing on cement. So here we go. Concussions. The study looked at over 17,549 football players over the course of three years, 888 of whom reported having at least one concussion. There are two main causes for the most concussions. One, as a result of contact with another player, or two, as a result of contact with the ground. When looking at, that, at those that occurred from contact with the ground, the researchers found that head contact with turf was disproportionately associated with concussions. They also found that more serious concussions were associated with artificial turf than grass. Heat-related injuries and illness. Researchers took temperatures of the surface of both grass and artificial turfs and found that turf fields got hotter. And for those of you that are athletes that have played on turf, you know this to be a fact. For example, on a 90-degree day, the surface temperature of a grass field was about 98 degrees Fahrenheit. 
But with artificial turf, that got up to 166 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a huge difference. And then when you got abrasions, obviously there's such thing as turf burn. Basically, it's like a rug burn. And it's not fun. Um, so other factors that go into turf, okay? And this, I thought, was interesting. I didn't really think of something like this, but this was interesting. So that's why I picked it out out of this article. One aspect of turf maintenance is infill weight. The amount of infill, which is the rubber pieces or sand that fills the space between the fibers, varies on turf fields. Lower weight infield systems are cheaper to maintain. So many artificial turfs so many artificial turf fields have little infill. Over time, the amount of infill decreases as a result of getting kicked up during use or washed away in heavy rains. Obviously, when you look when you watch football, you see every time a guy drags his feet, all that rubber gets kicked up. A study of 57 high school tur uh, turf fields across four different states showed fields had varying infill levels. Despite turf manufacturers claiming that lower weight infield systems are just as safe as those with higher infill weight, researchers concluded that for football players, trauma to the researchers to the head, knee, or shoulder significantly increased when the infill weight was decreased. Based on these findings, the researchers recommended that high school football fields need to have at least six pounds of infill per square foot for the safety of the athletes. Of the 1,837 games looked at in the study, 788 were played on less than 6.0 pounds per square foot, meaning the athletes were exposed to an additional risk in 43% of the games studied. So, you know what? The NFLPA and the players, well, the NFLPA, including the players, have the right to fight this. Now, when you look at it, okay, now you look at the other side, playing devil's advocate. In terms of the NFL, the one thing that you don't want is there to be some kind of distraction and what I mean by that is that say it rains on grass it gets very sloppy now in terms of a company that is looking to make money nobody wants to watch a sloppy game and when it comes to the play on the field. God forbid the field is a reason for something crazy happening in a game. Everybody's going to kill the NFL for something like that. So yes, devil, devil's advocate. There's a big thing in terms of field because you know what? You, like you want to have the best conditions. That's what it comes down to. And on turf, 
you have at least 50% of the conditions under wraps. You can't, like the NFL, Roger Goodell, they can't control the weather, especially with some of these teams that have open stadiums. You can't control the weather, but you can control the field conditions. On grass, you can do only so much. And especially in terms of, you know, places like Lambeau Field. When it gets colder out, that grass gets hard. You know, and it there's there's different things that you can do on turf that you can that you can't do with grass. You know, and it's it, there's there's both sides to this, and I understand both sides. But they do have an argument just going off of those numbers that I just read. So, you know, I, I it's tough. You don't want to see injuries like this. The hype that was behind the Jets this season, heading into week one, was unbelievable. The Jets haven't had that kind of hype going into a season in a very long time. Three plays. And on that fourth one. He tears his Achilles. Out for the season. The other thing that sucks for Green Bay. Because he didn't play 65% of the snaps. Green Bay doesn't get the Jets first round pick. So yes. The Jets do. At least get their first round pick back. So that's another interesting fact of this injury. But again, it's not something that you want to see. And I'll discuss the Jets a little bit more, especially with you know their, their quarterback situation when I get to that game. I'm going to run through a couple of games and basically little pinpoints. Uh, but first, I want to talk about PFF. Pro Football Focus, okay? They put out... Now, obviously, sports media outlets, any kind of Instagram, podcast, sports center, whatever it is, you're going to put out power rankings. And you're going to do it every week. It's something that you can put out every week to have some kind of content. So PFF put out their power rankings. Going into week two. And let me discuss. Okay. Because whoever created this list should be fired. That's it. But I I mean. They should be fired. This might have been the worst power rankings list that I've ever seen. And I'm going to go into it. But I'm going to start with 32. Understandably, the Cardinals. 31. Understandably, the Colts. 30th, understandably, the Texans. 29, Panthers, Bears, Titans. Falcons are 26th, although they did win. I think they should be a little bit higher. Now, mind you, power rankings go off of how the team played. Okay? When you start getting closer to the end of the season, you can discuss 
and kind of go off of your power rankings by just the team that they have? Did they struggle a little bit? But when you go off of week one, okay, there's one week, there's one game that you can go by. But you can't just guesstimate that they're going to be a good team, even if they lost week one. Go by the way that they played on the field. So the Falcons at 26, I think should be higher because they won in week one. Okay. The Broncos, the Broncos look like crap. So 25 is not bad, but they lost to the Raiders. So the Falcons should be higher. That's just me. Raiders 24. Saints 23. Patriots 22. Vikings 21. Commanders 20. Buccaneers 19. Seahawks 18. Rams 17. Chargers 16. Steelers 15. Okay. This is where I start to get annoyed. What was the worst outing for a team in week one? Maybe the team that lost 40-0. to zero. I, I, It's a wild guess, right? Why are they 14th? The Giants are 14th. They didn't score a point. They couldn't... I mean, they their offensive line is horrendous. The Giants had no showing. Week one, home opener, Sunday night football, division rival. And I said in the offseason, when we, when we spoke about the, the NFC East, I said, no matter how bad a team is, no matter how good a team is in the NFC East, it's always a good game. It's always a competitive game. That didn't happen in this one. So, the Giants should not be 14. 13 is the Packers. The Packers won. Yes, they did beat the Bears. But I think the Bears are going to be better this year. Justin Fields didn't really show much in week one. I think he'll be better. But Jordan Love showed the hell out. And they're 13th. The Bengals, the Bengals who lost, the Bengals that got smacked by a division rival, the Bengals that scored three points, the Bengals that have a $275 million quarterback that had 82 yards, they're 12th. The Browns, okay, 11th. Smacked up on the Bengals, as I just said. 10, the Bills. The Bills, who had their quarterback, have four four turnovers. Mind you, they almost beat the Jets. But they almost beat the Aaron Rodgers-less Jets. The almost probably close to being the worst offensive line 
in the league, Jets. The Bills lost in overtime. The Ravens got the dub. They're nine. I'm okay with that. The Lions beat the Chiefs on the road. Banner game for the Chiefs. I I mean, they're eight. The Jaguars got the dub. Struggled a little bit against the Colts in the early first half. Ended up showing out in the second half. Trevor Lawrence showing that he is a top quarterback in this league. Is seven. Now this is where I get pissed off. Who put out the best performance in the league on Sunday? Who beat a division rival? Sunday Night Football. On the road. Division rival. Largest shutout in Cowboys history. I mean, they're sixth. They're sixth. Okay. Number five, the Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl champions. But they lost. Why are they five? The Jets are fourth. They needed to go into overtime against a team that had a quarterback that gave up four turnovers and they needed a a, pick, a punt kickoff return to win against the Bills. At home, Monday night, division rival, September 11th. I, I mean, you put them fourth? Number three, the Eagles. The Eagles struggled against the Patriots. Like, big time. Jalen Hurts wasn't great. The defense wasn't great. They made Mac Jones look really, really good. Whether that's true or not, we're going to have to see what we're going to get from Mac Jones the rest of the season. But from the sample size that we have of Mac Jones, that's not good for the Eagles. They're three. And they should have lost that game, to be totally honest with you. The Dolphins showed out. The 49ers showed out. I'm okay with the 49ers and the Dolphins. But to tell me that a team that lost, that a team that needed a punt, return for a touchdown in overtime against a team that gave the ball up four times is crazy and over a team that didn't win in week one I mean it doesn't get worse than the power rankings that I just read later on I'll get into mine but that was absurd and that like it just I just ended up falling on top of it on Twitter and it pissed me off. Pissed me off. But let's get into week one. The week that was. 
Texans, Ravens, in Baltimore. We get to see C.J. Stroud for the first time. We get to see Lamar Jackson back out there. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham. The Ravens showed out. Won this game 25-9. to But does not mean that all was good. J.K. Dobbins tears his Achilles. He's out for the season. And it sucks because this kid is actually really good. And he just does not have the sample size. Because he just can't stay on the field. Every year, we always discuss... You know, he could be the comeback player of the year. Every year. Because you look at the team, you look at the offense, you look at Lamar Jackson. J.K. Dobbins is a good running back that would show even more with the type of weapons that are around him as well. And the dude can't stay on the field, and it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. And... When we talk about C.J. Stroud, 242 yards. Let me get his full stat line here. I think he had one interception. Oh, he had zero. So he he went 28 of 44, 242 yards. No, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked five times. So obviously the, the offensive line's not great. Damian Pierce, we thought, would have had a better game. 11 rushes, 38 yards. So, altogether, C.J. Stroud, you know, in my opinion, had the second best out of the three rookie quarterbacks. Probably the second best um, performance. Didn't get the win, though. We move on to the Bucks and the Vikings. The Vikings pulled the Viking. I, I mean, that's really all you can say. Because they lost... And now, mind you, okay, the Bucks, the Bucks basically have like the same defense that they had when they won the Super Bowl. Their offense is okay. I think Rasheed White is one of the better younger running backs. I, th- you know, obviously Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, you know, this is. This is a team that obviously was missing, you know, a little bit of offensive line help. Um, And that was Rashad White, by the way. Um, But Baker Mayfield did what he had to do. Baker Mayfield sacked once, 21 of 34, 173 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's what you ask. That's what you ask for. Then when you look at the other side... The Vikings, 33 of 44 for Kirk Cousins, 344 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Justin Jefferson, 150 yards receiving. And they still lost this game. The Vikings are going to Viking. And now they play tonight against the Eagles, or Thursday night against the Eagles. I mean... I don't know what to tell you, but you basically the Vikings are going to Viking and Kirk Cousins is going to Kirk Cousin in prime time. That's it. Titans, Saints, 
Saints win this one 16 to 15. What I learned from this game. Ryan Tannehill. And I actually, I didn't even learn it from this game because I've been saying this for the last three, four years. Ryan Tannehill is the downfall of this team. He is horrendous. He is so bad. And going into this game, we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins obviously playing his first game as a Titan. DeAndre Hopkins earlier in that week came out and said that he contacted four teams and everybody didn't want him. The Titans did. I mean, listen, at this point for the Titans, see what you have in Malik Willis. If you don't like what you have in Malik Willis, Move on to Will Levis because Ryan Tannehill is not it. He's not it. What surprised me or disappointed me, I guess, was that the Saints only won this game by one because of how bad Tannehill was. Yet you only win this game by one. But I watched a clip from inside the NFL, and I guess they had Derek Carr mic'd up. And at the end of the game, the the play that basically ended the game, he went to the sideline and told his coach, he goes, I want the ball. Give me another shot. And he went up to Rashid Shahid and said, I want you to do a go. And just run. And he called this shot. He called game. And the Saints won this game. The Saints are a a sneaky good team. I like Derek Carr as a quarterback. A lot more than other people do. And I think it's kind of funny. Because I think he's actually a really good quarterback. Chris Olave, 112 yards. Shahid, 89 yards. Michael Thomas, 61 yards. This is a very, um, this is a very potent offense when they get it going. I love Jamal Williams. I think that this team could, you know, make some noise, especially in the NFC South. The NFC South is up for grabs. It's either the Saints or the Falcons. And I'm interested to see what happens with this this division. But I like what I see from Derek Carr. I just didn't like that they only won this game by one. Panthers, Falcons. Falcons win this game 24-10. Bijan's the truth. There's a reason why you take a guy at seven. And what they did, you know, because obviously Tyler Algier is a very good running back. I believe he had over a thousand yards last year. And then you go and take a guy at the number seven pick, but look at what you got. They got a huge two headed monster when it comes to running back for the Falcons. This is going to be a run first, second, third kind of team. Drake London. Not going to see much of. Kyle Pitts, not going to see much of. 
but I can guarantee you, you're going to see a lot of B. John Robinson and a lot of Tyler Algier. So, you know, people that drafted Drake London, people that drafted Kyle Pitts in your fantasy teams, I feel bad for you. Guys like me that have Drake London, you know, in the hobby as one of their collections, I feel sorry for myself. Uh, I just got another one graded, RPA, dual patch, gold standard. Just got it back from uh, Panini, sent it in to get graded. We'll see what we get. But I got, you know, a couple other Drake London cards. So it is upsetting. I hope that Desmond Ritter steps up, starts getting the ball to Drake London, please. Jaguars, Colts, 31-21. Trevor Lawrence just keeps adding to how much of a stud he is. That's that's basically that. all I can say about it. Trevor Lawrence is that man. He's that dude. He is a top five quarterback in this league. I don't care what anybody says. And Calvin Ridley, like I said in the offseason, huge. Makes this offense so much more potent. It's crazy. Anthony Richardson had the best performance for a rookie quarterback out of the three. We saw a lot. The pick wasn't great, but I saw a lot of poise for Anthony Richardson, used his legs, used his arm. I like what I see from Anthony Richardson, and I'm excited to watch him going forward. Cardinals, Commanders. Commanders almost lost this game. And I know talking in the the NFC East episode, I said that the the Commanders could make some noise. Um, I thought Sam Howell played okay. But the one thing that I have to say about the Commanders, their defensive line is unreal. Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, I mean, that just, and then Chase Young, it's just, they are relentless. They're big. They're strong. Washington's defense is, defense is very good. And the other guy that I, you know, saw a lot of in that game, Cameron Curl. You know, this defense is studs. And all they need is to put up some points on offense. And I think Sam Howell will get more. He'll get more comfortable in the pocket. He'll get more comfortable rolling out. I, I think just overall getting more comfortable in the offense because now you have Bienemy as the offensive coordinator. And I know the the last episode that we did, you know, talking about the NFC East, I kept saying he was a head coach. I was an idiot, brain fart, whatever. But having Eric Bieniemy, one of the most talented offensive minds, coaching him up. And what they have on the offense between Brian Robertson and Robinson. Be, be, with between Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. This team could make noise. They really could make noise. 
And, you know, for, you know, a team like the Giants, you got to kind of be worried about third or fourth. And the way that they looked in week one might be looking more towards four. Raiders, Broncos, Raiders win this game 17-16. Broncos are just disappointing. You start off the game with an onside kick. You touch it. I mean, they did end up receiving it, but but they touched it too early. And, I, I mean, I don't know. There's too much that you're hearing out of Denver between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and everything that is going on. It's just I'm starting to become a non-believer in the Denver Broncos. And I looked at this team as, you know, this is a, a team that has talent. Now they have a coach and still, you know, it's, you know, I I don't know. They just, you know, don't do anything for me. Everyone's sleeping on the Raiders. And I, you know, we had Kevin here talking about it. The Raiders may not actually have as bad of a season as we think. My issue with the Raiders is Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. That's the only issue that I have with the Raiders. Packers. 38, Bears 20. Justin Fields was disappointing. The Bears were disappointing. I know it was kind of sloppy, you know, whether this whole week it was kind of sloppy in a lot of the games. Um, But Justin Fields didn't have the passing yards that I was expecting from him. Um, Still, he is a stud of a running quarterback, but that also scares me as well. But Jordan Love? looked really good. And I'm hoping that it's just not one week because he looked really good. He sat back in the pocket, made really good throws, went through his transgressions, basically had total control of the field. And I loved what I saw. From Jordan Love. Rams 30. Seahawks 13. Absolute head scratcher. When it comes to Seattle. Seattle is looked at as. You know a team that could. Fight with the 49ers. To win the West. And what we saw. Against the Rams. That is. At this moment. Not going to happen. The the Seahawks lost both their tackles. In this game in the third quarter. They just signed Jason Peters. They struggled. Tyler Lockett got hurt in this game. What we saw from Stafford, Stafford went out and was Stafford without Cooper Cup. So maybe the Rams totally change our opinion about them. And maybe the Seahawks change their opinion about like it just This game was a head-scratcher, and I'm surprised in the score of this game. All right, now we move on to the games that I really want to get into. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. All right, first I started talking about, in the beginning of this episode, Rodgers goes down. The Jets still win. They still win. They win in overtime. Xavier Gibson runs back a punt. The the hard knocks spotlight, I guess you could say, becomes hero in week one 
on September 11th in MetLife Stadium. The only thing that would have made it better for the Jets was if Aaron Rodgers actually stayed in the game. Um, and I said earlier, my fear with the Jets is their offensive line. And to be totally honest with you, and I know it's... Everybody says it, and it's cliche. But games are won and lost in the trenches. And that's what it comes down to. Your defensive line, your offensive line. And the Jets only have 50% of that. And their defensive line is special. Their defense overall is special. Whitehead had three interceptions in this game. And to be totally honest with you, in this game, it comes down to who was worse or who was better. Was it Josh Allen just being bad or was it the Jets defense actually being good? And I kind of think that it has a little bit to do with both. You know, we... we not me, but I'm saying we as fans of the game, as media personnel, however you want to put it. We put turnovers up on a pedestal. That's that's the worst that it can get. And we talk about Dak Prescott after last year of how turnover prone he is when in reality stats don't show that but that's not here nor there people that hate on the 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 Cowboys usually don't do their homework when it comes to Josh Allen his interceptions in this game I don't know who he was throwing to I don't know what he saw in every single one of them He threw three interceptions and fumbled once. Josh Allen lost this game for them. So, when you look at this game, it's hard to tell either one of these teams. It's hard to to pinpoint what you're going to get from the Bills. It's hard to tell what you're going to get from the Jets. I'm interested to see this week coming up, the Jets going up against the Cowboys. I want to see, you know, on both sides, I want to see what the Cowboys have to do on offense and and what they do on offense. And I also want to see the Jets, what they're going to do on offense and how their defense is going to play. Stats-wise, Sauce Gardner didn't have a great game. But the Jets won. So I give them that. Now, for all of the Jets fans and even other team fans talking about Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson gives the Jets the best chance to win. As crazy as some of you people think that sounds, it's the truth. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the team, stay on the sideline, is huge. 
because I feel as though Zach Wilson has changed a lot since the last time we saw him. You saw it in the preseason. You even saw it in this game. He had a higher QBR than Burrow and Mahomes. And he did something that those two didn't. He got the win. Zach Wilson, you know, obviously the the, the Jets are going to have to change a little bit of their offense. But they don't have to change that much. As my co-host said in the AFC East and NFC East episode, he's not, he doesn't, he didn't want Aaron Rodgers to throw for 4,000 yards. This, as you could, you saw in the game against the Bills, they are going to be a run-heavy team. And rightfully so. Brees Hall is a stud. And Zach Wilson should be happy handing that ball off. The Jets should be happy handing that ball off. And then when you have that run game, you have a play-action game. The reason why I say Zach Wilson gives the Jets the best chance to win is because that offensive line is so bad. And you need a a mobile quarterback. The Jets are going to need a mobile quarterback. Because they're not going to be able to have a pocket quarterback. So for all of you that have said Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, guys like that, like, first of all, Colin Kaepernick, enough. We need to, we need to totally stop bringing this guy's name up. Enough. Enough is enough. He's not playing another game. That's it. Walk out. That's it. Stop. Now, back to what I was saying. All of those guys are not it. Zach Wilson is it. You want to bring in a guy now to back up Zach Wilson? By all means. And what I've told a couple of my Jets buddies, I think they should make a phone call to Cleveland and look at Dorian Thompson-Robinson. What I've seen from him, just in the offseason, just in the preseason, Arm and legs. What do the Jets need now? Arm and legs. But Zach Wilson is your best chance to win. I'm sorry to say that, Jets fans, but that's what it is. That's how it goes. And for those of you that thought Tom Brady was going to come back with that offensive line, you're out of your damn mind. I'm sorry. Giants, Cowboys. This was like the Dallas Cowboys playing a an elementary football team. First off, we need to stop interviewing NFL players before a big game. I get it. Sunday Night Football, I get it. You want to add stuff for before the game, that's fine. But stop interviewing players. Because you got nothing out of that interview with Dak. It doesn't make sense. Just stop. 
The Cowboys put the league on notice. This defense is no joke. This defense is the best defense in the league. They play man coverage, and they're fine with it. They rush the quarterback, and they're good with it. They cover receiving tight ends, and they're really good with it. They have depth all over the defensive side of the ball. And they're good with it. You know who led in tackles for the Dallas Cowboys in week one? Marquise Bell. Do you guys know who that is? Doesn't matter. You're going to know. Do you know who Wanye Thomas is? Doesn't matter. You're going to know. The Cowboys didn't even have Donovan Wilson. They get him back soon. Look at this team. Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, disgusting, Osa Adigizua, Dorrance Armstrong, Demarcus Lawrence, Mozzie Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, Malik Hooker, J. Ron Kurse. This team is stacked on defense. The team is stacked. They put the league on notice. I don't care if it was just the Giants because they made that offensive line look like crap. They made it look like Swiss cheese. And you think that the Jets' offensive line is going to stop this? The Jets' offensive line is worse than the Giants. Am I worried about the offense for the Dallas Cowboys? No, I'm not. It was a sloppy weather type of game. You weren't going to see much. The ball sailed on, on Dak. You know, they also did not play at all. None of the starters played at all in the preseason. Obviously, we see a lot of that lately where there is rust in week one, week two-ish. So am I worried about it? No. I want to see what we get out of, you know, this game against the Jets week two. Um... I don't understand. I, I I did watch a little bit of Micah Parsons' new podcast, and he didn't understand why Daniel Jones was in. And I, same thing with me. I at one point, I mean, the Giants started to pull some of their starters on the offensive line, and they left Daniel Jones in there. That doesn't make sense. I don't know what Dable was trying to do. Um, the thing that I was very surprised at. When I looked at this team, they just didn't look ready. Whether they gave up or, you know, it was just very surprising when it comes to that in terms of a Dable coach team. As I said, the Giants offensive line is not good. And what the Cowboys did was, you know, you had that whole first drive. Giants look good. They were doing exactly what they had to do to beat the the Cowboys offense uh the the Cowboys defense and then the Cowboys made a change. They made an adjustment. Dan Quinn, the best defensive coordinator in the league and was probably the best move that the Cowboys did 
in the offseason bringing him back. But they made an adjustment. They stopped the bootleg. And they absolutely killed Daniel Jones. The Cowboys generated pressure on 23 of 37 dropbacks. That's 62.2%. Fourth higher uh, pressure rate in the game, in a game since 2019. The Cowboys had eight defenders generate multiple pressures, including four with at least five pressures. Micah also is doubled on 50% of his rushes. And against the double, he had eight pass rushes, two pressures, and one sack. And when you watch the tape, at one point, the Cowboys, I think in the first half, he was doubled on eight plays or whatever it was. They had four sacks on those eight. And he was doubled on all of them. Yet they still had sacks. The Cowboys defense is special. And there's really not much to say about the Giants because the Giants just weren't weren't good. So at least the Giants get Arizona coming up. But Arizona almost beat Washington. So we'll see what happens. The Eagles against the Patriots. The Patriots should have won this game. Period. That's I'm going to say that right now. The Patriots should have won this game. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were trying to give the Patriots the game. It was there for the taking. And the holding on the two-point conversion was the difference. The Eagles are, you know, coming into this season with two new coordinators. They lose their top two safeties from last year. Their safeties now are Reed Blankenship and Justin Evans. Big difference from C.J. Gardner uh, Johnson and Marcus Epps. When you look at the def- the the linebackers, we know what you're going to get from their defensive line. But when you look at their linebackers, Nakobe Dean was supposed to take over the reins of this defense. He got hurt in Week One. He's out. They put him on IR. I don't know how long that's going to be. But now your middle linebackers are Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis. That's a big difference from A, being N'Kobe Dean, but then B, from last year, Kaiser White and TJ Edwards. Mac Jones was very, very impressive in this game. And they may actually have a real offense in New England. The wide receiver position is a worry for me when it comes to the Patriots. And I think the Patriots should have gone out and gotten DeAndre Hopkins. But I thought Bourne had a good game. I mean, Boutte or Booty, whatever you want to call it, however his last name is, I get two feet down. It's not college. Two feet in the NFL. That's it, two feet. Not one, two. Get it down. And you win that game. And the Patriots defense is very, very good. The Patriots defense is very good. This AFC East is going to be fun to watch now that we saw what we saw from New England against the Eagles. Whether it be the Eagles are worse or the Patriots got better, 
it's going to be interesting to see either way. San Francisco 49ers, Pittsburgh Steelers. Christian McCaffrey just doing what he does. 152 yards. Now, my unpopular opinion. Now, I had the unpopular opinion last year of Jalen Hurts not being that good. I still have that opinion. Whether that's unpopular or popular, whatever it is, that's how I feel. Purdy is a game manager. Purdy is the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. He's not a great quarterback, but he's the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. He's not going to throw the ball deep. He's going to be a, you know, when you look at San Francisco's offense, their offense is moving guys left and right. Just move them around, pre-snap, and send all kinds of misdirections. That's what San Francisco does. Play action, run the ball, and move guys around. Purdy, all he has to do is just play action it and hit the slant. Play action it, hit the slant. Hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. Get the ball to George Kittle. It's not a lot that Purdy has to do. He's an okay quarterback. But again, he's perfect for Kyle Shanahan. And he's perfect for the 49ers. So it looks like he's better than he actually is. There's a reason why he was the last pick in the draft. So, not not here nor there. Kenny Pickett struggled in this game. Mightily. Uh, it was a very different Kenny Pickett than we saw in the preseason. I was shocked. And I know at one point, you know, they were down 10 nothing in this game, then 20 nothing. But the fact that Najee Harris, and I said this in the offseason, I need to see more Najee Harris. Why are they not running the ball? The fact that Najee Harris only had six carries in this game is a travesty. And don't get me wrong, yes, 49ers defense is very good. Second best in the league. But you still need to hand the ball off. And that was an issue in this game. And I know you got down too quick, but you still have to get the run going to help out your young quarterback. Dolphins, Chargers, we said this. This team offensively is impressive. Their defense is okay, um, but it's all contingent on Tua staying healthy. They did this last year. He went on the first two or three games where he was throwing the ball like crazy. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, it looked unbelievable. And we started to put them as one of the top teams. I remember at one point I had them like, number two or number three in my power rankings, you know, in the beginning of the season. And then Tua had his first concussion. And it all changed. But now with the injury to uh, Aaron Rodgers, the uncertainty of what you're going to get out of the Bills, the door has opened wide for the Dolphins. If Tua can stay healthy and they keep doing what they're doing on offense with Tyreek Hill, 
And to have Jalen Waddle as number two, that's insane. Jalen Waddle as a number two wide receiver is absurd. But on defense, they gave up 234 yards on the ground. So they need to clean that up. Chargers are going to charge her. You have the Jets that are going to Jet. You have the Vikings that are going to Viking. And you have the Chargers that are going to Charger. This team, and I've said this year after year, are the most frustrating team in the league. They have talent all over the field. Defense and offense. But they can't get it together. My thing, and and like this was a perfect example. When it comes to the Cowboys getting, because people are like, oh, well, you know, wasn't a great move that the Cowboys got rid of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore isn't a scheme type of offensive coordinator. And this is what I was trying to get at. He's not that kind of guy. He's not that scheme like, all right, you know, I'm going to have you, you know, pick this guy. And, you know, his plays are off of your talent that you have on the team. His way of having an offense is that you have to beat the guy across the field from you. And it didn't work for the Cowboys for the last couple of years. Because, you know, at certain points, you know, especially last year, outside of C.D. Lamb, on the wide, at the wide receiver position, they didn't have great wide receivers. Kellen Moore gets, like, too cute at times, too. So, like I said, they're just a frustrating team, this Chargers team. Justin Herbert, like... He makes these throws that you're like, no one else can make that throw. Why are they why are they losing games? You have Khalil Mack, you have Joey Bosa, you have JC Jackson, you have Darwin James. Why aren't they playing better defense? You got Keenan Allen, you got Justin Herbert, you got Austin Eckler. Why aren't they playing better on offense? It's just so frustrating. So frustrating. And the Chargers got the loss in this one. Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, messy weather. Browns, they did what they had to do. They held the $275 million quarterback to 82 yards passing. The Bengals' offensive line, still bad. Still bad. Deshaun Watson didn't have a great game, but it wasn't needed. They played well on defense. And they ran the ball well. It's just, you know, when you run for 206 yards as a team and hold a quarterback that was a preseason MVP candidate to 82 yards and a Super Bowl contender team to three points overall, that's impressive. That's impressive. And it's a division rival. Burrow is now 1-5 against the Browns. 1-5. Joe Burrow. It's crazy. Detroit Lions, Kansas City Chiefs, the first game of the season was on Thursday. 
we expect the Lions to be better this year. Obviously, this is what we we said, you know, earlier in the season in the previews. I'm interested to see what we get from the Chiefs at going forward because we saw a lot of Clyde's Edward uh, Hilaire, and you know it felt like you didn't really see that much of Isaiah Pacheco. And I think Isaiah Pacheco is the best running back on this team. So it's interesting because in the beginning of the game, like the first two drives, all we saw was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon. And we didn't really see much of Isaiah Pacheco. So whether Andy Reid wants to do it where it's kind of like a thunder and lightning kind of thing where you start off with Clyde, use the elusiveness and this and that, and then you bring in the bowling ball, Isaiah Pacheco against a, you know, a tired defense, whatever it is. I'm interested to see how that works because I think Isaiah Pacheco is the guy and should be the guy going forward. No Travis Kelsey in this game, no Chris Jones. That was the difference. That was really the difference. Kadarius Tony couldn't catch cold. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this game had a lot to do with Dan Campbell going for it, faking the punt on his own 20. They ended up scoring a touchdown that drive. Uh, I think Jameer Gibbs should be the running back for the Lions moving forward. David Montgomery's okay, but I think Jameer Gibbs gives them a little bit of that pizzazz and that, that punch that they need. The Lions offensive line is very good. One of the best in the league. So if they can stay healthy, it's going to be interesting to see this team and how far this team can go. Um, but uh, the the head scratcher was Andy Reid going for it on fourth down and 25 with two minutes left on their own 30. Down one. Mind you, you had all three timeouts. The punt might have gotten down before the two-minute warning, so you would have got a playoff, and then you would have had three timeouts with the two-minute warning. A head-scratcher. Really was a head-scratcher, but the Kansas City Chiefs lose game one. So really, that was week one. The week that was. And football's back, and we're excited. Can't wait for the rest of the season. Rutz Sports NFL Power Rankings for Week 1. The first one of the season, okay? Number 10, Power Rankings. The Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love was a stud. And I expect it for the rest of the season. Number 9, the New York Jets. The Aaron Rodgers-less New York Jets. They still get the W over a division rival. They get number nine. Number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. Did what they had to do. Played defense well. Did what they have to do on the offense. I think they could get better on offense, but that will take time. So they are number eight. The Detroit Lions beat the reigning Super Bowl champions on banner night, on the road, the first game of the season in one of the toughest stadiums, if not the toughest stadium to play in. They got the dub over Patrick Mahomes. No asterisks there. 
Number six, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence keeps showing how good of a quarterback he is each and every week top five quarterback in the league. Number five, the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns defense is packed with studs. They held A, a division rival. B, a preseason NFL MVP candidate. Three, a Super Bowl contending team to three points. And the quarterback, Joe Burrow, the $275 million man, to 82 yards overall. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. Didn't have a great game. They got the W, though. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. What they showed on offense, unbelievable. Tyreek Hill, basically unguardable. Tua stayed healthy. Jalen Waddell is a number two wide receiver in this league, and it's insane. That's how good Tyreek Hill is. Defense needs help. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 49ers did what they had to do, won that game 30-7, to and really controlled that game from start to finish. Number one, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, 40 to zip, 40 to zip, Sunday night football, week one, division rival, on the road, in the rain, that's what they did, 40 to zero, they are number one in the power rankings, PFF, someone needs to be fired for that that power rankings that you put out. It was a disgrace. Disgrace. Around the hobby. Now we go around the hobby. Buy, sell, or hold. Here we go. I'm going to rattle off a couple of names. I'm going to get into if you should buy, if you should hold, or if you should sell. Tua Tangavaloa. Me? My personal opinion on Tua. His injury proneness scares me what he did in week one sell him now Justin Fields I think Justin Fields is going to have a better season right now his prices are low I think if you have him you hold him if you want him you buy him don't sell him yet Zach Wilson Zach Wilson in the offseason I said was a buy his prices were low he was the backup for probably this year and next year. Hold them and buy them. But now, I mean, his prices are going up a little bit since Monday night. I think you can hold him, honestly. But I wouldn't mind you selling him either because you're kind of selling at a somewhat of a high price right now. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's a hold. And the only reason why I say he's a hold is because if you have him, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I would say a hold or a sell because you're, you can't buy him. Because you buy him now, you're not really going to get much of a 
a return if you try to sell him later. The reason why I say hold is because the 49ers are going to be there at the end. Deep playoff runs, Super Bowl wins, whatever it is, help the price. But I don't think it's going to help that much with Brock Purdy because he's so high. So if you have him, hold him. Don't buy him. And if you have him and you want to sell high, sell high. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I think, is a sell. I don't think he's going to have that great of a season this year. You know, his prices, even when he went to the Super Bowl, his prices were still not that crazy high. So if you have him now, sell him. Um, I mean, you could buy him, but I don't think you're really going to go with that high in terms of Jalen Hurts. Jared Goff. I think you buy him if you don't have him. You hold him if you do have him. But because the only reason why I say hold is because I think he's going to the, the Detroit Lions, I think, are going to win the division. And I think they're going to go at least to a playoff or two um, this year. Jared Goff, you know, his price is kind of upticked a little bit by beating Mahomes. Not crazy. You could still buy him pretty low. Um, whether or not he ends up going high, you know, I mean, he's been in the league for eight years now. So you really don't know exactly, you know, everybody kind of, you know, when you're in the league eight years, you kind of have that, that sample size that it's like, all right, well, if you're good, you're good. If you're not, but if you're, ta- if you're Dak Prescott, we don't want to tell you that you're good until you do something bad. And then we're going to tell you that you're bad. So it's not here nor there. New releases. First off, we have, so we obviously today, Wednesday the 13th, is a big release day. We had uh, Bowman Chrome release, and we had the patches and plates release as well. Those are big releases, um, but I don't want to really talk about them. I'm going to talk about them, you know, the ones that people are going to see or hear um, when this podcast is out. So upcoming releases, September 20th. First off, we got 2023 Leaf Exotic Football. That's coming in at $100. You have the box break is three autos, one pack, three cards per pack, and all cards are numbered to 15 or less. Now, obviously, with with Leaf, it's unlicensed. So you're going to get these players, and the thing with Leaf is that they have C.J. Stroud, they have Bryce Young, they have, you know, these guys that were talked about as being fanatics exclusive. They have these autos. So that's one thing. Uh, then the next one. So now with this, with Leaf Exotic Football, um, you're basically hunting for, you know, obviously you're getting autos. You're getting all three autos. And they're all numbered 15 or less. But you're looking for... You know, the tiger print, the zebra print, the peacock, the giraffe, the snakeskin, so, and some other patterns that they're going to have that are new. The next one we have is 2022 Leaf Trinity Baseball. That's going to come in at $170. With this box break, you're getting six autos, one pack, six cards per pack. And uh, you have clear autographs and autograph patches. Uh, but you'll also have dual uh, a new dual auto, triple auto, and a one of one logo man autographs. So that is big. 
Then we have 2023 Panini Chronicles UFC. Now, I'm a big fan of Chronicles. Chronicles, you're going to get cards from all different products all in one. It's a fun break. I love breaking UFC boxes as well. This box break, you're going to get two autos, 12 hollow base or parallels, 10 optochrome base or parallels, six packs, eight cards per pack. So that is what you're going to get. So in this, you're going to be looking for uh, National Treasures, Contenders, Limited, Certified, more, uh, one Gala, Absolute, and some more. The Gala rookies are limited to only eight copies, so that's huge. You can get Kabooms in this one, and right there. And then you have the uh, Obsidian Lightning Strike signatures for some of the rookies. Again, UFC boxes are a fun break. And Chronicles is always a fun break, no matter what sport you're breaking. Then we have the 2022-23 Panini Contenders Optic Basketball coming in at $380. That UFC uh, box is going to be in at $150 if I did not say that. I don't think I did. So that Contenders Optic Basketball is $380. With that box break, you're going to get one auto, two inserts or insert parallels, two parallels, one base season ticket, one pack, six cards per pack. Contenders Optic is always one of the nicer products that you're going to break with any sport. They are good. They're good looking cards. They're, you know, one of the better ROI type products as well. With this, you're looking at hoop dreams, lottery tickets, uniformity, and sweet shots. Um, and then there's some new ones, opti- uh, optical illusions, and first class ticket. The uh, variety of parallels includes silver, red, blue, which is numbered to 99, pink, which is numbered to 75, orange, numbered to 49, green pulsar, numbered to 25, black Pandora, purple, numbered to 15, gold, numbered to 10, and one of one gold vinyl. Also, you'll get some red cracked ice, blue cracked ice, which is numbered to 75, and green cracked, uh, green pulsar, which is number to 25. Also with the hobby exclusive, you're going to get the super short print Black Pandora parallels which are randomly inserted in optic boxes. Then we have one of the biggest product drops of the year. 2022 Panini Flawless Football. That is going to come in at $9,000. With this box break, you're going to get one pack, 10 cards per pack. Now, I don't know. I know. I know that it's you have the inner and then the outers. I don't know if there's three outer cards, um, but I will. That'll be interested to, you know, I'm interested to see how that works out because I have seen where they just have um, they just have the inner or they have, you know, the three on the outside. So with this box, you're going to get six on-card autos, one or two gems, two or three memorabilias. And, I mean, National uh, Flawless, always, always fun. It's always, and I think I was thinking about National Treasures when I was talking about the the outers and the inners. 
flawless is um it, it's that's a that's a fun <laughs> that's an unbelievable break so you're going to get new on card autograph sets with flawless frame signatures rookie frame signatures and champions two times three times and four times signatures uh also be on the lookout for the one of one black diamond parallel um you're also you can also get rookie booklets, veteran booklets, signature gems, flawless duels, quad NFL shield autographs, Super Bowl gems, and red, white, and blue autographs. Flawless is one of the best products that Panini has, and it's always a fun break. Then lastly, we have the 2022-23 Panini Mosaic Basketball Fast Break. That's going to come in at $325. Box break, 12 packs, 12 cards per pack, 1 auto, 11 prisms, 5 inserts, and 1 rookie variation. You're looking for the exclusive silver, blue number to 85, purple number to 50, pink number to 20, gold number to 10, and the 1 of 1 mosaic fast break black. Um, you're also looking for some autos. Uh, you have the fast break red, which is number to 49 and the fast break blue, which is numbered to 25. So you also get the inserts, breakaway, stairmasters, notoriety, introductions, and montage. All of these products are very, very good products and fun to break, but are expensive. So break responsibly but that will do it for the show today week one in the books week two coming up i'm gonna have the previews coming up as well be on the lookout for that but i am jerry and that's it be breezy be breezy and it is all over you've been listening to running up the score we run up the score on sports radio